yeah, marriages need context, they need purpose, they need to know that when they're fighting, there's something worth fighting for, and that's there's something on the other end of getting through that struggle. Hi, everyone. I'm Annika, and this is the Tried and Truth Podcast. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of the Tried and Truth Podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. I am so thrilled that all of you are here, and I'm so excited to invite you into today's conversation with our incredible guest, Ryan Frederick, him and his wife, Selena founded Fierce Marriage. It's an incredible platform, podcast, tons of resources just to come alongside all of us in our marriage journeys to equip us, to strengthen us and encourage us. So take a listen. Ryan, thanks for joining me on the podcast. This is uh, this is a real treat to have you here. So thanks for being here. Absolutely, Annika. Good to, uh, good to meet you virtually. <laughs> uh, virtually, yes. I was actually just telling someone right before this phone call that there's a couple of things that I'm really passionate about. Um, one is my faith. Um, one is marriages. And the last is just people. And so yeah. I'm, I'm really excited because this kind of is a conversation about a lot of those things. Love it. Um, so, so really glad that you're here and I don't think I've shared this with you, but I got to tell you how, how we came across all of y'all stuff, uh, about, I guess one year in to COVID, uh, it was right around Christmas time. My husband and I try to be really intentional every new year's we do a family retreat and we kind of reset and reflect and, and do nice. all that fun stuff. And, you know, when you go from crazy hours working outside the home to a lot of time inside the house, um, <laughs> a lot of things get exposed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a lot of things get exposed. And so there was about a two month period of time where his business was shut down and I wasn't working and we had all the kids here and uh, we learned a lot about each other. And so, you know, I kind of said, I feel like, I feel like we just need something. I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like we <laughs> yep. need something as we go away for a couple days with our kids. Uh, we always just spend those evenings together. And so right under that Christmas tree was like a whole stack of y'all's books. <laughs> and so we spent the next, you know, 40 days and, and a couple of the other books, just reading through it. And I'm so, so grateful for, awesome. uh, for what you and Selena have done. And so I would, first of all, I want to thank you. And yeah. second of all, would love just to have you share like a little bit about you and your story and the work that you guys do. Cause I think yeah. it really is a huge gift to the world. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I, it's so easy to forget, you know, as, as writers, you write these books and it's always on to the next project, right? And you forget like, oh yeah, people are actually reading these things. Yes. <laughs> it's actually doing what we designed them to do. And that is to help couples uh, yeah. stay strong and, and grow closer together and grow closer to God. So yeah, so we, um, my wife and I uh, got married, when is it? So uh, this would have been almost 19 years ago. Uh, so we, we got married fairly young before we finished college. Uh, we had dated for two years. Actually, we dated for four years, uh, two years in high school. And then two years in college and realized, you know, it's not getting any easier to, to date, um, in a way that, that is, is, uh, aligned with our convictions, uh, yeah. Christian <laughs> convictions. and so we, I, I just said, you know, what? I'm gonna sell my car. I'm gonna buy a ring and we're going to get an apartment and we're going to finish school as a married couple. And so, uh, 20 years old, got married, uh, ended up, um, finishing college. This is a really long story, which we talk about in our, um, in our book called fierce marriage. Uh, but basically, Selena uh, has a passion for riding horses and never really got to as a kid. Um, but and so she found this job in Switzerland uh, to be uh, uh, an amateur trainer slash au pair for the Swiss family just outside of Zurich. And um, it's a really weird story. Not many people can relate, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> we had just finished, literally just finished co college. We had graduated with a bachelor's degree. 
and I was working as a janitor. So I'm like, listen, my job prospects aren't that great. So let's go ahead and do this thing that, you know, and I kind of caught her off guard and said, yeah, let's do it. We moved to Switzerland and didn't realize it, but I have a, a congenital heart defect and I didn't know about it. And uh, through finishing finals and working all this time and, and then flying and, you know, all the work that goes into packing up your entire lives, selling things and moving, you know, overseas, I had uh, somehow gotten really sick. Um, uh, I, I got an infection in one of my heart valves. I didn't realize it. And I just thought I had cold, you know, I had kind of the symptoms of, you know, just whenever you get a bacterial infection of any kind. I'll make the story really short. I almost died. Um, ended up having open heart surgery in Zurich. Oh my gosh. Uh, kind of coming face to face with the, my own mortality. And that was world changing for me. At one point I wrote, uh, you know, kind of my last will and testament, this last letter to my wife, knowing, because I, I knew exactly what we're going to do. I'd studied, um, I did a job shadow with a heart surgeon before this. So I already knew uh, what the process entailed. And so what that did is that kind of calibrated our lives uh, in a really unique way, meaning that we didn't want to live in a way that was just aimless without purpose. And so we celebrated our second anniversary on the airplane coming back from all of this. And so we landed um, back in our hometown in the Pacific Northwest. Um, long story short, got a series of jobs, ended up in California. While I was down there, we were about to celebrate our, our, tenth, uh, our ninth year of, of marriage. And I just, I'd been doing web development and I felt this, like this kind of sinking in my gut, almost like a quarter life crisis. Like I, mm. I, I've read your, your bio on your website as well. And I feel like you might've had the similar situation. We realized oh, yeah. <laughs> you kind of hit the, the dream, right? It's the quarter the, life. Yeah. It's the quarter life crisis. It's quarter life crisis, yeah. <laughs> it's like you, 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 you've reached whatever goal it was you thought was this mighty goal, this great um, kind of aspiration. And you see it for what it is. And it's not all that great. And so I'm sitting there, I'm working on this. It's like some project for like Delta Airlines. Like I'm this freelance web developer, designer doing project for like, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And I'm like, this just, just this kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really like this work. Um, and, and, and I just kind of asked God, what is this? Is this it? Is this all you have for us? And he, and uh, he said, uh, I remember him kind of impressing in my, in my guts, uh, what do you have in your hand that you can use for my glory right now? And immediately I thought of our, our relationship. Um, throughout the life of our relationship, we always kind of wanted to do things biblically. And, um, and since I had done web development, I'd also worked for a lot of publishing companies. So I kind of knew what it took to, to, to start a blog and to write. And so I thought, you know, why don't we just start talking about our marriage? Why don't we just do it for, the, for better or worse? We'll just show up every day. We'll, we'll be honest, we'll live transparently, and we'll just try to point people to the hope that we have in Christ. And, uh, and, and for better or worse, we'll just share everything we can. So that started as a blog. Only my mom read it at first. Um, of course, I read it because, you know. <laughs> um, but after, after a year or so of that, we ended up um, kind of building some momentum, and then it's turned into our, our whole livelihood. So we're now writing books. Uh, we have a parenting side of what we do, Fierce Parenting. We have marriage. We have a whole suite of online marriage courses. Um, we're building out a line of, of resources for parents looking to disciple their children. Um, yeah, so that's, I don't know if that's what you're asking for. That's kind of how we started. And our commitment has just been to um, continue you know, showing up every week in the podcast. That's our main uh, avenue by, by which we, we get our content out there. Uh, and just pointing people to the hope that they can have in Christ and in the, the help that, that, that he provides for the, the, really the nitty-gritty, the day in, day out of, of real married life. So that's it. <laughs> Gosh, you have such an amazing story. I mean, I think there's so many different elements. Um, 
one of the parts that just really stuck out to me is where you said you just kind of felt like God just pressing on like, what do you have right now? And I think so many people think that the next thing's going to give them that thing. The next thing, if they can just get that job or if they can just move to the next city or they can, you know, their kids get to the next stage, like then, then they'll have that capacity or that ability to, to do something. And the fact that he said, what do you have right now? What do you have right now? I think that's just, gosh, so good. And you just kind of faithfully stepped into that place and like, now look, look at the hundreds of thousands of not millions of people that that have just been impacted i think especially in in the world of of today i think there's so much that that marriage needs (laughs) well you know those moments it's funny because you say that when you when you first get that kind of epiphany moment it has to really be something from the inside out because you know i glossed over it but there were many many days of feeling like that that doing the next right thing um Mm. just wasn't working but there has to be this kind of this core conviction that you're doing something that has a context that's bigger than you, that even if it never goes any further, like you still feel like you're doing the thing that you, that God is asking you to do yeah, and kind of have to leave the fruit in his hands. Cause sometimes we get discouraged. We see, we've seen a lot of people get into the marriage space, looking at kind of the high, whatever they want to become. And they, they, they burn out because it's not, it has to come from the inside. You have to do it for a reason that's bigger than and yourself. So I, I wanted to add that in there because there is that grind moment that the, the long grinding periods of just trying to figure it out. Um, where I think those are formative times when God is using that um, to make, to make your work m- much more fruitful in years to come. So I think you brought up a really great point. I actually like have this note here on my desk. You know, I think this, this idea of where a culture fixated on the fruit and that's something that I'm learning right now a lot is just my job is just like what you said, to show up every day and, and plant seeds in whether that's in my home, in my neighborhood, in these conversations on a podcast or in words, uh, whatever that looks like. Like my job is just to show up with that conviction of all my job is to do is to plant the seeds. And I think when people feel like, am I going to be guaranteed the fruit? Is the fruit going to be really good? How much fruit's going to be on this tree? Okay, I'm not going to do it. And it's like, that's not that's not up to us. Yeah. That's not up to us. And imagine what it could grow into if you spent your, your life or this season, like planting seeds rather than just fixating on one piece of fruit that's going to come from a tree. What kind of crops could could be had if... Yeah if you just faithfully planted seeds in, in the world around you. So I love that, you know, what you said about just, you just show up every day and you be vulnerable and you invite people into your story and create a space of relatability and of authenticity that helps people see that this is bigger than themselves and that they're not alone on this road. And gosh, just such a gift. Um, so I'm just kind of curious in all of your all's experience and just, you know, and y'all have been doing this for quite yeah. some time now. Um, you all have seen a lot of marriages and heard from a lot of couples. And I'm just curious to, to hear if you all feel like what marriages need today and what they hope for today has changed or if it's kind of stayed the same and, and just y'all's experience yeah. with that. Well, you know, certainly over the last couple of years, it's really called to question kind of the, um, the, the, I guess the strength of marriage. So we, we take, we've taken things for granted up until the last couple of years, right? Namely with, with the current events, what's happening in, on the world kind of stage with the conflicts over, over in Europe. Um, and so what marriages need today, I think it, it, they needed it back then. It's just, it's not, it's not as 
clearly needed. It wasn't as clearly needed then as it is now. And if I had to say one thing, I would just say they need context more than anything else. They need purpose. They need to know that their marriage has relevance that, that uh, extends into the various facets of not just, you know, your four walls of your house. It's so but true. It has relevance that extends um, into, into a, a, a community, a community level, you know, whether that's your church community, your, you know, your local community, but also into a national level and an international level. And I would even argue on a cosmic level, like your marriage has context, it has purpose. And until you see that, uh, the day-to-day will never make sense. And it will be a lot of work. It'll be, you'll be striving, you'll be fighting, you'll be stapling. We always say this in our household, like we we try to staple fruit on the tree to make the fruit look healthy, right? Like I'll just do the right thing so I can, so I can say that I have a healthy tree. Well, we all know what's going to happen. Like A, you know that it's stapled on there. B, it's going to rot and fall off anyway, and you have to do it all over again. C, the roots are rotting in the meantime. So we really have to get the roots figured out. And that has to do with your worldview. It has to do with your view of God, your view of yourself in light of who God is and what he's done. And so I think that's what we spend our lives doing. It's putting marriages in that context and saying, listen, this is important. And here's why it's important. Who's, here's who said it's important. Now, he, here's, here's the man. Jesus, who showed us what love is and told us how to love one another. And, he, and here's how this applies throughout the various facets of who you are and, and who you are as a couple and your marriage and even now into, into the parenting side. So yeah, marriages need context, they need purpose, they need to know that when they're fighting, there's something worth fighting for. And that's, there's something on the other end of getting through that struggle. And you go on into other things like transparency and being known to one another. And how can I possibly expose myself in all my faults and flaws to this person? Uh, unless I have a, a grander narrative that I that I'm believing about who I am and why I should do something like that. So, uh, if I had to say one thing, I would say they just need context and purpose. Context and purpose. No, that's that's really good. Um, so as we're talking about kind of showing up in this authenticity and relatability, and and y'all kind of sharing your story and your life, just to kind of help everyone who's listening feel very normal, <laughs> whatever <laughs> stage they are in their marriage. I mean, just what are some of like the big, you know, the, the, the big elephants in the room that are just struggles that everybody goes through at some point in their marriage, I think just to encourage people that, that we can get to the other side. And this is just part of the growth. And this is part of that bigger picture that we're all working towards. Yeah. Well, I, so kind of the classic issues that any couple is going to face, like I, I guarantee you we've faced those issues and I would argue more so because of the work that we have to do. Like, it's really hard to show up and record a podcast episode and a video when you've just spent the morning bickering and fighting uh, <laughs> about silly things, right? And so, yeah, the, the, now we did do a poll and we, we do these polls periodically with our audience and kind of what are the big issues that you feel like are plaguing your marriage? We asked our audience this. And it's funny because you always expect a certain response, but this, over the last two years, it's evolved. Um, although the, the, the bell curve looks pretty much the same. Um, it has to do with communication, first and foremost, communication and conflict. I, mm-hmm. I don't think couples are understanding, they don't understand how to um, be emotionally intelligent with one another. And so, uh, namely husbands, I don't mean to pick on husbands, but we tend to not spend as much time in the space of how we feel and why we feel that way and putting words to that and, and then taking time to communicate that um, earnestly to one another. And that has detrimental effects on the overall communication of a family, not just a couple, but an entire family. And so um, usually it's going to be around communication and conflict. How do, we, how do we fight well 
like couples are going to fight. Like you're going to have, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to, you're going to hurt one another in various ways. We pray it's not in severe, long lasting ways, but pain's going to, going to, going to happen. So how do you get from what we call wartime back to peacetime? And what are the communication strategies around that? Uh, that's the biggest issue. Now, Selena and I, like we just, just last night, we, I mean, we're like any other couple, like we're fighting. I, I say fighting. You're human. We, you yeah. mean you're human. Yes. We're not like at home, like praying every, you know, and like reading scripture and then just, oh, hello. <laughs> hello, wife. How can I honor you today? Right. These aren't conversations. Like it's, we just like, we're just like anyone else. And the difference is, okay, it, are we, are we tuned in to um, the Holy Spirit in those moments and stopping and saying, okay, I'm going to listen not to what I want to do. I'm going to actually, I'm going to turn from what I think is right according to myself. And I'm going to look to, to this is again, this that context. I'm going to look to the greater context. What does God say about how I'm supposed to love my wife and honor her as her husband? Not just as another person, but as her husband, right? And so um, anyway, that's a struggle. Communication is, is always going to be a struggle. Um, intimacy is another really, uh, oh, this is a weird way to put it, but it's popular. <laughs> People always struggle with <laughs> with intimacy yeah. and and the issues around it so unfortunately i mean tragically infidelity continues to plague many marriages more than i think you or i realize um it, it, emotional infidelity um uh, ha- and having affairs physical affairs um that continues to be a problem and so we're asking the questions of what what is happening in relationships that is precipitating the, the unfaithfulness and again it will always go down to the heart condition it always come down to what is happening on the heart level? And then how has that been bearing its weight on the, on the couple itself? Um, for whatever reason, you know, you can make all kinds of excuses for why an affair happens, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a choice. Um, and so why are those choices being made? And then this one surprised me as far as issues that people are dealing with. And, and we deal with this. I mean, just today I was looking for a towel and there were no clean towels to be found, right? We have three, three daughters. And so who knows like where they ended up. <laughs> And, but I tend to get, you know, that, that has to do with the economies of the home. Like, how are we managing the, the workload? How are we managing, you know, who's doing what, when, um, division of labor, uh, also things like budgets, like, should we just buy some new towels? Well, we shouldn't, it's probably not a smart, a smart decision. Like we need to take care of our towels. <laughs> so, you know, that's a huge stressor for people, especially with, like you, you said, like you, you get into, everybody's been kind of locked down and now it's starting to, to release, but it's really exposed some of the, these cracks in the foundations of couples. So again, what's the context for how we live our lives together? And what's the context for how we manage our finances, how we manage our home, yeah. how we make decisions about where to send our kids for school and sports and all that has to do with the economies of the home. So communication, sex and intimacy, the economies of the home. I think those are the three biggest um, kind of hurdles and struggles that couples are facing today. Yeah, I've never really heard it called like economies of the home, but it makes total sense. But you're so right. I think just even just as husbands and wives, right, there's like this constant shift or transition, whether it's new jobs or new seasons or kids, different ages and stages of kids and life. And I mean, there's so many factors that I think play into it, but as those shifts, so does division of labor in the home and Mm -hmm. how we're not, you know, we're not trying to compete, but we're also trying to compliment, but we're also trying to hold our roles that we feel like we're supposed to have. And so I can definitely just see how that, that bubbles up and um, yeah. And, and, Kind of like back to the first part the communication and conflict piece mm-hmm. and when our expectations change because seasons change and yet that next step that you mentioned isn't communicated is 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 really big um yeah can totally relate to so many of those that i i'm sure every single uh listener who's who's married 
uh, is, is thinking about too. One of the things that you, you talked about conflict and communication, and I'm just thinking like as a parent, you know, I'm not just raising kids, I'm raising future husbands and future fathers. As a father and... of daughters, I appreciate recognizing <laughs> that. It's, it's a big calling. And I, I, I'm, yeah. you know, you know, I knew you and I kind of talked a little bit briefly earlier today just about this, but just this mm-hmm. idea of um, our family and what do we want to instill in our family. And it goes so much beyond, there's a greater purpose than just getting through this season of life and getting my kids through elementary mm-hmm. school. And um, I, I think about that a lot, but this thinking about how can I, as a parent, teach boys, especially to become men who are effective communicators um, and who handle conflict well, because I think our culture does so much to to avoid conflict, to numb conflict, to not confront conflict, to be non-confrontational um, and take easy ways out of confrontation so that you don't actually have to like navigate those feelings of it. Um, but also like we just kind of have lost this ability to communicate. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen this and so many people I've worked with, like just our ability to communicate has has really shifted. You would think that we would become increasingly better communicators, but I just feel like everybody's uh, turning a little more inward and a little less responsive to the world. And so, you know, that's just happening now. And I think about you know, 20 years from now when when my kids are getting ready to, you know, hopefully get married and embrace the next season, like, what am I doing now to lay the foundation for them to, to do those things and to talk about things. And I know in, in boys, right, it's a little bit harder to instill, but just to be, to be okay with conflict, healthy conflict. And yeah, so it just kind of got me thinking too, that it's not just a struggle today, but how do we, how do we be part of the solution for the next generation? Yeah. And I think that goes back to the context conversation, which there, there's a grand context. And like I said earlier, kind of the cosmic context that within which we live, whether we acknowledge it or not. Uh, but then there's also a grander, uh, a lesser, but still grand context that has to do with yeah the trajectory of your, of your family. And so we spend a lot of time coaching couples and what, and crafting what we call a family vision statement, which is basically identifying their, the, those types of things. So do you, so there's part, there's three parts to it. There's the mission statement, core values, and there's what we call envision statements. And so what you're describing would be like an envision, like I envision mm. a family that communicates well. I envision a family that, that has conflict that is, that somehow always results in building one another up, right? I envision young men who understand, you know, X, Y, and Z when they're 25 years old, right? So, but you can't get there. Like it's one thing to say, yeah, I want that, but you kind of have to have that in view at least regularly, not necessarily daily, but regularly so that the day-to-day decisions, again, have that context and say, okay, this is a moment to teach my son about, you know, emotional intelligence and communication, yes. not in those terms, <laughs> but to, you know, hey, I understand you're feeling this way, but it came out wrong. So let's talk about how can it come out in a healthier way that's going to help, you know, not going to create more anger in your brother, right? Yes, absolutely. So, but you have to have that 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 family vision in mind. That's Otherwise, great. Kind of this envision statement, which I've never really heard of that terminology. I've worked with a lot of vision statements, so that's that's really that's really interesting and insightful. Um, so while we're kind of talking about that, 
Do you and Selena kind of have any other practical tips that have really helped you all to reset and recalibrate? And I know you all are doing so many things. Yeah. There's so many things happening from writing and podcasting and creating courses yeah. and parenting. And, you know, how do you all kind of find or what have you all found to be really effective for to going back to those envision statements or changing them? Yeah. If they need to be changed or, you know, every couple is going to be different when it comes to, you know, keeping those sorts of things top of mind. Um, I have in my, I have this app that I use to manage all my to-do lists. So I review my own personal, like they're, um, they're not, they're kind of like a personal version of what I just described. And that's always prompts me then to lead and love them well, because that's one of the um, kind of disciplines that I'm having to constantly remind myself to, to develop. And so under, underlying that rhythm that I have is just the, um, I think the value of habits, rhythms, and routines, and knowing that your habits are the things that are going to you know, be formative over years. Um, it's, uh, it's funny cause I, you know, I'm, I'm taking, um, a biblical Greek class right now and, uh, it's never too late to, to learn. So I'm, I'm still learning. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Um, and so as I'm going through the course and the weeks kind of carry on every week, I'm adding these new kind of translation assignments and things. And it's amazing to me how the stack of things that you've completed over three or four months, just it's becomes immense because you're just doing one every week. And you look at the list of documents, the things that you've done. And it's the same with our habits. Like it, it's amazing just by plugging away one step at a time. You know, they say the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I climbed a mountain a few years back. It's the same thing. They, they don't, they tell you, don't look at the, the, the peak. They tell you, look at the, just the next step in front of you. Take that step, take that step. And that's about just having those habits. So automating that to an, to an extent. Okay. So how do you automate? I'm not talking about apps and technology. I'm talking about what are the triggers in your own life that will then create the rhythms and routines and the habits, or at least lend themselves to lend, uh, lend, lend your day-to-day -day life to maintaining those rhythms, routines, and habits. So I should say, um, so for us, it's every morning we have what we call coffee time where we're sitting down, we're reading together. We're typically doing some sort of Bible study, not together, but alongside one another. And we'll just be talking throughout that. Um, the girls, our, our three daughters will always kind of trickle down as the morning unfolds and they see us doing that, which is one of our envisions that we want our children to see us loving one another, loving God well. We, want them to, we don't want to just tell them to love God, we want to show them that God is in fact loved by us. Um, so that's one important re uh, rhythm that kind of keeps us grounded as a couple, grounded in, 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 in God's word. Um, and other rhythms and routines. So as a dad, I have many for like our daughters, but for, for Selena, I'm trying to think, um, you mentioned that you guys do like a, a family retreat, right? Yes. So we, um, we, maybe I should take some, some, uh, plays out of your playbook for that, but, uh, <laughs> we've done, uh, I, I do monthly, what I call be and believe days where I go as, as just a guy. And I will just think without having to produce anything and just think and pray and, and reflect. And then out of that, I then will bring kind of, the, um, kind of my thoughts to Selena, but we've also done that as a couple where we'll go and we'll just, we'll talk and then we'll, We'll kind of break away and journal and think and pray and then come back together and say, okay, here's, and that's been really helpful to keep us um, unified because um, as couples, we do tend to drift, right? We tend to drift away from one another and we don't drift by default toward oneness. We, we drift toward isolation. So true. And so we have to fight to make sure that we keep those, the rhythms there so that we don't always have to create new rhythms. Instead, just rely on the rhythms of the past and just, just press into those, so. Hope that was helpful. No, those are really, those are really great tips. I just, and even what you just said, which is like, we drift towards isolation because it's not something where we have to give 
<laughs> and so it's a very easy place to drift to because we yeah. can kind of internally just be. Um, I just finished a book. One of the tactics in the book was just talking about this idea of it's talking about kind of how our desires are created and how we want how and why we want the things we want and it was kind of interesting because one of the activities or the exercises that he gives is like to go outside and stare at a tree for an hour <laughs> and he says for the sole goal of having nothing to produce like there is no output that is coming from this one hour that you were just going to sit and be with yourself and he was saying how hard it is for for so many people to do that but it's kind of like what you're saying of just sitting in whether that's in silence or just a day to just be, but to have a day where you don't have to have an outcome, mm -hmm. it's just a day of, of thought and reflection or a moment or an hour, mm -hmm. uh, whatever that is. But I thought that was really interesting because he says like, we're just drowned with voices all day long. And when we create a moment where we say we don't have to produce, don't yeah. have to create, I just have to kind of unpack a little bit and kind of do some, do some mm -hmm. sorting, but also this meditative thought on just what's right in front of me. It's just a tree and that's it. Don't ever think it is just a tree and just allowing ourselves to be in one place for that, that moment in time. So, you know, those are, those are really great uh, practical tips. So I'm kind of curious, you guys have written a couple of books now. Do you all have one that has been like the most impactful just to you all um, in the writing process or the post process? Maybe just one that you all didn't realize was going to have as big of an effect either on you all or as uh, your audience. Yeah, I would, so we have two book bundles. I think you mentioned one of them earlier is the 40 Days of Prayer. Yes. 40-Day Prayer Journey is what we call it. That one was surprising to write because, um, you know, we're writing specifically for Christian married couples, right? And so it's kind of like this given, like prayers should be a thing that we're all doing in one way or another. Um, but until you commit yourself to that discipline, it was like... I, it's really hard to explain what happens. And so in writing those books, I was, my eyes are open. And so we try to replicate that experience for couples. Um, and so to answer your question, that was the most impactful for us. And so we try to help others have the same sort of impact by, uh, they take a, at the beginning, there's a, a marriage kind of score chart, mm -hmm. right? How's our communication on a scale of one to five? How's our intimacy? How's our, you know, financial agreement and management? And you, you, so you do that at the beginning and kind of, I would say blue ink, right. And then you go through the 40 days of, of prayer and you journal and there's, there's journal pages and stuff like that. And at the end, you're, you're challenged to then go back and regrade yourself based on, you know, after this 40 day kind of journey that you've been on in a different color of ink, right? So you have blue is the first before, and then like maybe red ink is the after and you say, oh, wow, look how, look how much our marriage has improved. And I'm blown away at how that happened to us, how, as I'm, as, as I'm praying on behalf of our marriage, on behalf of my wife, um, how my heart is changed and softened toward her. And I want to love her, um, you know, more consistently and more tenderly in ways that I never even realized that I was missing. I hadn't been. Um, and then our other, I'll, I'll make this really short, but our other bundle is called the 31 day pursuit challenge. That one I think has helped the most couples because it's kind of, so you have pursuit and you have prayer. Pursuit are the things that I can do, things that I uh, are in my hand to do like, you know, how, give, give my wife a hug or send her a note or plan this elaborate date or whatever that thing is in the name of pursuing her. Those are all things that are kind of in, in my uh, purview, things that I can actually go and do myself. Prayer is me saying, I can't do this. God, you need to move. You need to do something in my heart and my wife's heart in our marriage because I can't. So it's kind of, so between those two bundles, I think that's where we found the most um, couples being impacted 
um, starting with with us as we've written those books. Absolutely. Like you said, even just developing that that discipline. And I love that it just gives people a framework. I think for so yeah. many people, they want to grow stronger. They want to grow their roots deeper. They don't want the fruit stapled to the trees anymore, but they don't even know where to start. And so whether that is a place of, okay, kind of the words to just guide them in their own prayer journey or the ability to act. I mean, my husband's fantastic, but sometimes it's nice to just kind of have, like, you got to plan this thing in a week. <laughs> I think that was like one of the <laughs> activities that, that you all had um, in there. And so, you know, knowing that, that you got to plan that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that page too. We're going to get to the same chapter yeah. and yeah. and this, whatever it is, like it has to happen. And so um, I love just giving people just a framework, like just giving people the tools that they need where, wherever they are. Cause I think different people might be in different places and being sensitive to that, I think is, is a gift that you all have, have given that you've created a, a place for wherever people are, you're, you're ready to meet them there. And I think that just takes a lot of, of wisdom and discernment too, to know that not everybody's in the same place and the same thing doesn't work for every single person. And yeah. kind of like we talked about the, the, common struggles or common conflicts. If you're not in one of those places now, you'll probably be in one of those places at some point. And so we're going to all cycle through that that journey together. And so I think that's um, that's really great. Uh, any other like tips or practical things that you all feel that couples can just start today? I know you all give a lot of these examples in your book, but for someone who's listening, maybe just like a couple of your favorite pieces from the book, or even like you said, just that idea of, of just praying for your spouse rather than today, like start your prayer, not just for yourself, but for the person that, that compliments you, um, in your home. And that is kind of your, uh, your partner on this journey, I think is, is really important, but any other things that you kind of want to just share of to, to further ground your marriage? You know, every couple wants to stay connected. Right. And, but we kind of take for granted the relationships that we have until something catastrophic happens. And, and so my encouragement is, is very simple. And however couples decide to work this out, it's up to them, but don't, don't take for granted the health of your marriage and work on it. Like you need to invest in your marriage because so many people are, they don't invest in their marriage. They don't invest in their relationship and they're surprised when it just mm. completely goes, goes South. Right. One, one analogy I, I use, I find helpful uh, back um, many years ago, I was a wildland firefighter for the Helitech crew up here in Washington state. Okay. And um, the fires that, that are triggered are usually the result of two things. There's going to be tinder gathering on the forest floor, um, you know, dead branches, dead trees, there's, for whatever reason, there might have been some sort of disease or uh, infestation that made its way through that forest. And it's all dried out and it's not been managed well. That's why we have forest management agencies, right, to manage the forest. So you have, that's the first ingredient. And the second agreement is some inciting event, which is either going to be, you know, a, a a stray cigarette butt, a campfire that wasn't put out right, or a lightning strike. And so in marriages, we have the same thing. We, ha we have all this tinder gathering on the, the forest floor of our marriage, things that we haven't dealt with, issues that I haven't articulated and actually brought to my wife, issues she hasn't brought to me, um, you know, different life circumstances that haven't been handled in a healthy way. And it's all just gathering on the floor of our marriage. And all of a sudden, some inciting event happens. Maybe you have a job loss, or you have a parent, you know, someone, something tragic happens, or you have... And you wonder why your whole life and your whole marriage is set ablaze suddenly. Mm. Well, the tinder has been gathering for years. You've not been managing the forest for years. Now imagine that same forest managed well. You have an inciting event where there's you know, lightning strike. Sure, some of it goes up in flames, but it doesn't burn the entire forest down. And so our, my encouragement for marriages is just to find a way, some rhythm, some habit to constantly 
be building your marriage. And then the more strategic you can get about that habit, the better. So what I mean by that is say, okay, for the, for the month of you know, whatever, March, April, uh, we have to do something to build our marriage. Uh, okay. So we're going to talk about communication this month. And here's how, here's what that looks like. This is why we produce our podcast every week. Cause we want couples to tap into the podcast at least once a week and then have, we have couples conversation challenges at the end of those. And so just ask the question you know, on yeah. a Thursday night. Okay. Thursday night, that's the cue. The habit is I'm going to ask this question and we're going to talk about it. Um, couples that do that will stay connected. They'll stay stronger and they'll, they will, they'll have a much happier marriage. Um, but many couples just don't take that step of maintaining it, keeping the forest floor clean, so to speak. So long, long winded uh, tip, but there it is. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great analogy. I think, you know, my husband and I talk about that sometimes too, where I feel like for a lot of people, I think their marriage is a seven or an eight out of 10, right? Like it's, it's good. It could probably be a little better. It's busy time, whatever that is. And so to them, it's like, there's other fires I can go put out to keep with the fire analogy, right? Like I can go put out all these other fires. Like we're good. We're good. But then what ends up happening is like when kind of the winds of life hit and something happens, that seven quickly goes to a one rather than, you know, okay, we're at a seven, let's make it a nine, let's make it make it an eight or make it a nine yeah. and just get a little bit deeper so that when those really big winds of life come, like it doesn't take us across right. the pendulum, we have that stronger foundation. And so we kind of talk about that analogy a lot of if, if we're a seven, if we're an eight, if we're a six, if we're a nine, like let's just, okay, what, how do we get to a 9.5? <laughs> like just what little tiny thing can we do to create that connection and, yeah, even just like the questions you're talking about, y'all ask at the beginning and kind of end of of the book. And I think even just having those conversations, right? Like on a scale of zero to 10, what is our communication like? And it's funny what you think it is and what the other person thinks it is. And it's like, well, you know, on a one, zero through 10, how good of a communicator am I and how good of a communication do we have? And it kind of prompts a, a funny dialogue sometimes um, just on differences in in thought, but it at least creates that opportunity or that invitation to have the conversation and i think sometimes people don't even know where to start they just know something's wrong and so even if it's a little funny or a little confusing or Mm -hmm. you might agree to disagree creating that that space i think is is really important the crazy thing about that is you get better at it too so it it might feel awkward at the beginning uh, but it's like working out right you're going to be sore for the first week it's gonna be horrible Uh, but you go back you feel stronger the next week so true actually get stronger so I, that's, that's maybe a, ter- a secondary encouragement is, yeah, create those rhythms, but then know that it's just going to get better and stronger as you go along and use that knowledge to power through the, the difficulty early on. And kind of you're talking about the Greek, um, your Greek Bible class of just like every day you're building on that foundation and you yeah, think, okay, exactly. how am I going to understand this? And the next day, you're like, I've already done all that. That's amazing. <laughs> You've built so much already. And I just think that that idea is is really great. Uh, One thing I want to ask you about too, is you guys kind of went from this, you know, we have this passion or this call on our life to pursue something that's now kind of evolved into a business. And I think for a lot of people that are listening, they have a lot of things in their life that they're, they're very passionate about, or they want to start something and maybe it's a side business or um, maybe not even a business. Maybe it's just a organization or a ministry or something like, do you have any lessons learned that you have acquired along the way from just starting with a blog to the business that you all have today? Yeah. I think Simon Sinek wrote the book. um, I think that's who wrote it. Start with why. Yes. You heard of that book? Yes. It's him. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that's a phenomenal, I think 
you know, kind of one line description of where I, what my advice would be start mm. with why and the book's helpful to read if that's what someone wants to do. But yeah, like what's, what's the purpose? Like, what is this? Is that, is that the same thing? Excuse me. So the why will sustain you today, but it'll also sustain you, you know, 20 years from now, if you're looking to start a business, um, you know, and being an entrepreneur is very difficult. Um, I've started a number of businesses, the web development one, which I mentioned, um, this one apparently is a business. <laughs> started it. We actually have a watch brand um, that that we own and and man- manage as well. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, it, I should probably talk about it more. Uh, it's not a it's not a top tier priority. Um, but point is is it's it's hard work, right? And so you have to kind of be ready to and you, you have to be ready to weather the storm. And there's no way you can possibly predict the storm. So you just got to make sure that the ship that you're you're sailing the storm in is strong enough to withstand it. And that's the why. That's the why. No, that's good. That's the why. So start there. And of course, you know, I'm going to always say this, it's going to come down to what is that grand cosmic context? Cosmic yeah. is a biblical term. It's, it sounds a little new agey, but it's a biblical term. It comes from a book of Ephesians. Um, but what is that grand context? And that, that's going to give me the purpose and the drive to weather those storms and do so well. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so you guys are parents and writers and speakers and course creators and all kinds <laughs> of watch creators and <laughs> so many other things. Um, any just last thoughts on kind of what you all do to stay stay grounded? I know we touched on that a little bit earlier. Yeah. Going back to your why, I think it's a great one. Any others that come top of mind? Well, you, in the chat we were having beforehand, you had mentioned um, kind of drawing a boundary around your family, mm. right? I think boundaries are huge. It's funny you say that because um, as much as I am for saying yes, like I'm more for saying no. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So, learning how to say no because there's a, a, a better yes to, to be had to, you're saying yes to something else by saying no to that thing. So, and that all again comes down to that family vision, you know, the, the grand vision you have of reality. But yeah, given everything that we have going on, like we have to be really like we're actually talking about a speaking um, engagement thing that we're considering taking in the next few months. We turned down a, a two-year-long contract to do speaking around the country mm-hmm. after we'd done the training. <laughs> and that's not, that's just because of just boundaries and margin and nothing about, it was with uh, Weekend to Remember, they're a phenomenal team. Um, they talk about oneness and um, the, what is it? The uh, isolation, that's where we got that. The, we have to parse through those decisions through this kind of rubric of, does this align with what we care about in the season that we're in? Can we do this? Like we have a two-year-old at home. That is very limiting. We love her and that we're never going to change that, but it's a reality that we live. We don't. And so. That second no. part is so good. Does, does that align? Which I think is really important, right? That first yeah. part. Like, does this go back yeah. to our why, our envision statement, but in the season that we're in, because yeah. it might align, but it might not align in this season. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and within that, being able to put um, finite boundaries on things, because we are finite people. So if a husband, so a lot of times you hear, uh, I mean, your husband's an entrepreneur. He, he's had hard seasons. He's had maybe not so hard seasons. The hard season should have an end in sight. Um, that's really helpful to a marriage, especially if, um, and not just talking about entrepreneurship, but any sort of endeavor that you're taking on um, and protecting your family. Like, yeah, it might be hard but it needs to have an end in sight because it's not sustainable to live out in the cold year in and year out. You need to at some point get back into the warm house together. Yes. And so, um, and that's part of creating those boundaries. So. No, I think that's so good. I love, there's a quote that Martha Beck, um, she's a 
she's one of Oprah's life coaches, but I heard an interview she did one time and she just gives that analogy of like, we're in the snowstorm of life sometimes. We just got to get in the house, get in the house mm -hmm. and look out and see, okay, what is it that I need? Cause I'm trying to walk up against the snow in the middle of all the wind and everything just, mm -hmm. you know, hitting up against me. And just that visual of like, I got to get, got to get in the house, get in the house and just kind of reassess and say, okay, before I go back out there, what is the right thing to say? Is it a yes? Is it a no? What do I need? What do we need to not do so that we can continue to just keep going in yeah. in that journey? So no, I, I love that. to the situation instead of just reacting to it. Yes, yeah. yes, and respond with like wisdom and respond with like true intention and not just reaction. Yeah. But I, I really love that second part that you said of just in this season, because I think for people that have really big dreams or big aspirations or really passionate about a lot of things, you know, you can go do all the things, but it's gonna cost something. It's gonna cost something, and you know we're kind of like you all. We got a two-year-old too, and so it's like, okay, what what does that cost? Because like the season's gonna come and go. <laughs> there will be a time. There's a desires that we all have, and they're all placed there for a reason. And you just gotta wait until that time is right to yeah. let them kind of fan into flame. So, yeah. good thing in a, yeah. a good. What is it? A good thing in a bad at the wrong time is a bad thing, right? Yes, it's so true. It's yeah. so true. Well, thank you all so much for just the amazing influence that you all have on on marriages. I think it's such a gift to have people that are committed to be walking alongside people in theirs and to be weathering the storm together and sharing what they've learned in the storms uh, of life. And yeah. it's it's just such a such a gift and such a blessing. Um, I would love just for you just to kind of share where people can find you all, where we can just follow along and, and be encouraged in their own journey, whether it's into marriage or through marriage, they might yeah. be going through right now. Yeah, I would say the first thing I recommend to folks um, is just find our podcast. Um, it's just called Fierce Marriage. It's wherever you get podcasts. Um, that's a weekly release. Um, and that'll kind of get you in that headspace and, and thinking in those terms. And as far as books and things, uh, you go to fiercemarriage.com. Uh, all of our, our books and resources are there um, and on Amazon. Um, yeah, there's yeah, I mean, just use Google, I guess. <laughs> the podcast is where I would yeah. Go to Google or your phone, download the podcast, and yes. Yeah. yeah, but I think there's a resource, you know, for for everybody and anybody, and for people who don't even know where to start the conversation, it's like both of y'all listen to the episode. <laughs> Go talk yeah. about it after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is great. Well, thanks so much for, um, for, for being here. One last question, if you don't mind. I love to Good ask thing. this to guests. Uh, what does success look like for, for you or for you and just Selena as you all lead this business, this ministry in your life? That's a really good question. Um, on, a, on a personal level or a professional level, what, I have to whittle it down a little bit. <laughs> Either or, or just a little bit of both. And I think that's a great point too, that I think we can all have different definitions and different yeah. facets of our life. Um, and I'm sure they're all kind of rooted in the same yeah. thing. I think professionally, I, you know, in terms of our writing and the books we've released, I really, you know, it's one thing to sell books. It's actually really relatively easy, I think, to sell a book because people love buying books because it feels like you bought the ideas. Yes. Um, it's really hard to get people to read the books and it's even harder mm. to get people to actually be transformed by what's in the book. And so my goal is always to not just sell books, but to actually um, see transformation happen as a result of, of what we create, but whether they're the courses or the books or the podcast. Personally speaking, um, I would define success. I mentioned uh, kind of being on my deathbed early on. Mm. And so that has been seared in my mind. Um, and so I'm envisioning a, a day, hopefully many years from now, where I'm in that place. And this, what I would count success would be to be surrounded by people I love, 
my my children you know ideally their their spouses and their children if they're, they're that age obviously my wife be right there um and just all of them just flourishing and thriving and in healthy places to me if i if i'm able to die with that vision in mind then i i will die a happy fulfilled man being wrung out for what i think is most important in life so we'll see i i, I hope i get to do that many years from now uh, but i've learned not to take even a day for granted so we'll see good stuff well thank you for inviting us into your story and sharing your your wisdom with us and just sharing your your work with the world we're we're better because of it so thank, well, thank you. you what a joy to sit down and talk with ryan i hope that you are walking away as encouraged and inspired as i am today in this conversation and in case you missed any of the truths and takeaways in today's conversation here they are Number one, your marriage has context, purpose, and relevance that extends beyond your home. Number two, invest in your marriage. Find a way to constantly be building your marriage and create those habits and rhythms, knowing that it's only going to get better and stronger as you go. Use that knowledge to help you power through building those rhythms early on. Number three, whether it's related to pursuing a passion, building a business, or a marriage, you have to be ready to weather the storm. There's no way you can possibly predict the storm. You've got to make sure that that ship you're sailing that storm in is strong enough to withstand it. Number four, set aside be and believe time alone or with your spouse where you don't have to necessarily produce anything, but instead reflect, reset, and then reconnect. Number five, become an expert on saying no so you can become an expert on saying yes to things that matter. I love the question that Ryan asks. Does this align with what we care about in the season that we're in? And that second part is just so important in the season that you're in, that I'm in, that we're in. And lastly, what do you have in your hand right now that you can use for good and for God's glory? Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you haven't already, would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. Take a few quick seconds on Apple Podcasts to leave a quick review. Your feedback means the world to me. Appreciate you all so much. So many great conversations still to come. And until next time.